Man, that's good to be back. I missed you guys. I can say that. Oh, I see. I missed you guys. And in case you didn't know, I really love you. Because I left my new, brand new grandson and granddaughter to be here. So that was not easy. And I even brought PJ back with me. That was a little bit harder. She, uh, she uh, did not really want to leave. Not because she doesn't love you, but because she really loves those babies. So, um, But man, it was, it was good to be back northeast, although... It is different back there. Man, you, when you go back after being away for a while, it's different. I heard more horns in a week than I think I heard all summer long here, even with all the tourists and things. I mean, I, and I don't get it. People were like doing this at me and all sorts of hand gestures. And you know what? I, I learned something. You cannot hear what the other person is. When you're in the car, it's a wasted, wasted energy. It really is. Uh, and a few people were wearing horns out and yeah, it was, it was interesting. I've already apologized to some of the elders, and I'm just going to put it out there already. I'm just going to ask for forgiveness in advance. Can you do that? Is that biblically correct? Can you ask for forgiveness? Because you know what? Being in the Northeast, we're, we're kind of sarcastic is our love language, and we're kind of quick on the return. So if you say something, I'm probably going to fire back real quick because just, it just kind of flows that way. Um, and after being there a week, it was that way. But we had a wonderful time. And uh, I want to thank Tony for sharing last week in the message, and I appreciate you having your name tag on for me. I don't know if you know, Tony's got his name tag in case I forget, but uh, I'm getting older, but not quite that old yet, so, but, but it was good. It's good to be back, and, uh, and I missed you guys, so let's begin. Let's get into the book of James, all right? We're still in James. Yes, we've been there a little while, and, and I know Tony gave you a break last week, but we're going to get back to the book of James, and as you know, I love that book because James... I know, pastors aren't supposed to have favorites, but I've got one, even though we're not supposed to do favoritism, but that's another chapter. So, But James is one of those books that gives you a statement, and then he gives you application. He, he's more important, he's, he's focusing more on putting your faith into practice, right? He'll tell you what you need to do, and then how to put it into practice. He gives us some good examples, and we are, right off in chapter one, we looked at three things that happened to us, right? Where do trials come from, right? Where do trials come from? I'm asking the question. It's not a rhetorical question. God, God. thanks, Everett. Someone asked me, why do you ask every week, Pastor Charlie? Why do you keep asking the same thing? Because you know what? We all forget, right? And it's a good reminder. And I want something out of these chapters. I want to, to impact your life. And so that's why we review a little bit. And so if we know that trials come from God and they're for our good and they produce perseverance, it's going to help us get through that trial. Right? If we identify where it's from, it helps immensely. What about temptation? Where does temptation come from? The devil. The devil. But exactly, right? He is the master at tempting. Right? He loves to tempt us. But do we have to yield to that temptation? No, right? We looked at Corinthians that talked about there's always a way out. Right? But temptation is around us. We do not have to yield. And I even made the point, right? Temptation in and of itself is not a sin. It's what we do with it. And certainly there are things in our lives that, that tempt us continually. And then we also talked about consequences, right? Sometimes the devil doesn't have to tempt us, right? Just in our own flesh, at least in my own flesh, we just sin, right? We just do it because we want it. We just, we don't even need the temptation. We'll go find it, right? And then we have consequences for those. And we have to deal with those with forgiveness and working through those issues. So that was like chapter one or the beginning of it. Then we also looked at listening, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's one of my, my life verses, 119 and 20, because it doesn't bring about righteousness. Right? Slowing things down a little bit, listening. Because anger doesn't produce the best in us. 
Then we also, in chapter 2, we talked about favoritism, right? Especially in the church, right? If we have a favorite person in our church, what problems that can create, right? I use Tony as my example. He was my favorite elder. And then Bryce and Ike, they got all upset because, you know, they're not their favorite. And, and Brent, he stopped talking to me for a week. But no, I'm just kidding, Brent. But favoritism causes division. It causes strife. So we looked at that in chapter 2. Then the back half of that, we looked at faith and deeds, right? Our faith and our deeds have to match up. You can't just say, well, I have faith and not do anything. I loved what, Jeb, you, your missions moment was perfect, right? You know, I'm a believer, I have faith, but I don't want to do anything with it. But there's a need right here, right? Or, or over there, there's a need. And we need discernment on how to do that. But again, if I just say, oh, that's, that's too bad. Yeah, too bad you've got that need over there. But I'm, and I could help you, but nah, I'll, I'll pray for you. You know, be well, be fed. And we looked at that example as well. But our faith and our deeds have to work together. It's the mark of a, a Christian and as a believer, and then before I left, which I probably should have spent a little more time with, but the tongue, right? Our lips, our tongue, and, and how that can get us into trouble, right? Our words mean things. We talked about taming the tongue and how it, it, it's, it shouldn't be for the believer that we can curse in one sentence and praise God in the, in the next, right? It's a divided tongue. And we have to work really hard at keeping that in control because there's no rewind button, right? Once it's said, it's out there. And it takes a lot of work to get us back. We can hurt people with our words. And so that's where we had left off last time. And so now we're going to look at the second part of chapter 3 and actually into chapter 4 a little bit. I know I surprised Ike this morning. I said, we're going to actually get into chapter 4 a little bit. Because to be honest, I don't like where the chapter breaks. And so you know, the chapter breaks were put in, but they were not inspired sometimes. And so we're going to get into chapter 4 a little bit this morning. That doesn't mean it's going to be an extra long sermon. I promise I'll keep it in uh, the time frame because we have other things as well. But this morning is, my question is to start off with is, are you wise? Are you wise? We're going to look at wisdom. If you remember, I told you James kind of loops back, right? Chapter 1, he kind of puts that hint there about wisdom. In fact, we even sung a little bit about wisdom this morning. I saw one of the songs that, that mentioned wisdom. But more importantly, God's wisdom is what we're after, right? So let's look at chapter 3, verse 13. Starts right off, James asks the question, who is wise in understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Notice he's using the word wisdom, not knowledge, right? And again, I'm, I'm not speaking, don't take me wrong in any point here this morning that it's not important to have knowledge, to be a good student, to study. It's great to have degrees and, and education. But that's not what James is talking about. He's talking about wisdom, and that's a little bit different animal. The two can work together, or they actually can work against each other. I've known some really smart people that didn't have much wisdom. And transversely, I, I've, I've known some, pretty, some folks who, who didn't know a lot, but they had great wisdom. So again, the, the two don't necessarily um, have to be in coincidence, but in fact, they can work against each other. So he asks, well, who is wise? But then, like I said, James says, well, show it. Right? If you're a wise person, show it. You know, it puts it right out there. Show me what that wiseness means, and, and how do you have wisdom? And the key to that is humility. 
Humility is the key to that. If you look in that verse, in fact, I underlined it in mind. A lot of knowledge, we kind of put that comes. That's the key to wisdom because quite often, sometimes when we gain a lot of knowledge, we kind of puff ourselves up, right? Or we think we know something, pride gets in the way. And pride is a killer of wisdom. I'm reading a, a leadership book right now. Um, it's called Leadership and it talks about gaining wisdom, but he says, how do you impart that wisdom on other people? And he says, through humility, continually to learn from others, right? Being humble, is, is, is what's needed to gain wisdom. We don't get it by being proud. It goes on a little bit, though, because there's some things that hinder wisdom beyond just pride. Verse 14 says, if you, harbor bitter ang- uh, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or you deny the truth. That boasting, that's that proud again, right? But selfish ambition, Right? Now, ambition by itself is a good thing, right? We, we love to be around ambitious people, right? It's how things get done, and, 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 and work, you're, you're usually praised if you have ambition. But selfish ambition is a different animal. Selfish ambition implies that, that I have to step on somebody else to get what I want, right? You know, if I can climb over, if I can climb over Jerry in, in order to, to get where I'm going... That's not, that's, that's selfish on my part. Jerry is good. He's actually, he's, he's, not, he's not even bracing. He, he knew I wasn't going to jump over him. But anytime we step on somebody else to, to gain a head, and, and again, I'm sure someone popped into your mind, right? Someone you, you know, say, oh, man, the person's always picking someone else that they compare themselves to, right? Funny thing is we usually compare ourselves to someone that, at least in our own eyes, that we think are lower than us, right? We, we pick on those type of people. We never look at the person that, that may be ahead of us or a little bit wiser, a little bit older. We kind of pick someone that's lower. And the problem with selfish ambition is we tend to, to ignore people. We tend to hurt them. In fact, it goes all the way to get where we're going. And James here says, that's not wise. In fact, it goes all the way down. It's a deep-rooted flesh thing that we're trying to feed in ourselves in order to get ahead. In fact, he calls it out in the next verse. He says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. If you gloss over that last bit, you might miss this, but disorder, right? Things are not as they should be. Quite often you find things that are unrest when you're you're entrapped in that, right? It's unspiritual. God is a God of order. He wants us to do things in an orderly fashion. He's not in a rush. It's never too fast or it's never too slow. But it's orderly. His creation is in order. Problem is our world and us, we tend to make things disorderly. We speed things up. And if we don't do it as believers, the outside world will do it for us. Right? They'll, they'll cause chaos. They'll cause division. Right? They'll even feed our self, selfish desires. Right? We, we know, we see it on Facebook, we see it on our media, we see it on TV, right? It's all about us. Right? Take care of me first. Right? I need me time. Right? It's not biblical. It doesn't help. Again, there's certainly times that we do need to get alone, and I'm not talking that way, but you, you get the, the extreme of that. When I was, all I'm focusing on is feeding myself. 
but it causes problems. It causes problems. And James is addressing this in the church because this is happening within the church. There was factions within the church that were pulling this church apart, actually a group of churches. James was actually over all the churches at that time. He's kind of the, the top dog. And he's speaking to this. He said, hey, it's not a competition. You're, you're pulling yourselves apart. You're causing problems. And so that's why he addresses this issue. Wise. It's not how it's supposed to be among the believers. He sticks with that same theme, verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Look at all the things that wisdom from heaven above gives us, right? First off, pure, right? Pure, pure wisdom. You think of what that would be. What would be a pure, something that's pure and, 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 and wisdom that we can gain from? God's word would be one, right? Staying in the, in the middle of God's will, listening to the Holy Spirit, those things are pure. It's not going to involve anything that could even be the hint of sin. Again, they're coming from God, and that takes that relationship. That's why we, we emphasize that relationship with God, that, that moment-by-moment connection with our Father in heaven. Right? If you only do it on Sunday, it doesn't work very well. At least it's never worked well with me. Right? If I only pull up my faith and try to use it on Sunday morning, yeah, I can do all right for an hour or so, but man, I don't make it past lunch, and I'm usually struggling with some issue, something, um, someone picking apart. But wisdom that comes from God is pure. Peace-loving. It's an interesting phrase, interesting putting those two together, right? Peace and, and loving, right? Some people find peace when they're, they're all alone and nobody's around, right? And certainly that's, that's, we sometimes need that. But loving people involves spending time with them, but still being at peace with them. It's an interesting putting those two together, right? In fact, in the definition of love, we looked at that a little while ago, right? Being patient is part of that. But peace-loving, I, I, I love to be at peace, and so I work at that to gain it, is what the thought is here. It's a right? If I'm, I'm upset with somebody, I need to go to them, trying to restore. It's a restorative thing. That's what God wants. He wants that people that are seeking peace among each other. Some people would argue you have to be at peace with yourself before with others. That's another message for another time, and I'll work on that at some point. But um, I think we gain that peace by being at peace with others first. Considerate. This is so unlike the Northeast, right? You come to a four-way stop sign there, guess what? It's first come, first serve. Sometimes it's second come, first serve. Sometimes it's third come, first serve. Um, if it's open, you go. That's just the way they drive in Boston, even uh, all of Northeast is similar that way. New York was the same way, right? Being considerate doesn't get you anywhere. That's what the world tells you. But no, that's not what God tells us. We are to be considerate. Consider others better than ourselves, right? Jesus spoke those words. It's important how we treat and how we interact, being considerate. Submissive. There's a word that's been hijacked, Right? In fact, even in my, my niece, who's a believer, I love her dearly, she had a hard time with that one when we were looking through the marriage vows because you know what it says in there? 
wives submit to your husband. It's in the traditional wedding vows. She goes, Uncle Chuck, really? Do we have to have that in there? Can we put another word in there? And I said, Skyly, have you ever known me to change God's word? I said, no. But I said, let's talk about it. So we started a conversation about that. That's not a bad word, okay? I'll just put that out there. Submit is not a bad word. Church is to submit to Christ. Christ submitted to his Father's will when he was here on earth. Submission is part of being a believer. It's not being a doormat. It's, it's, there's a lot of things that are, but being submissive is part of that, giving way. You know, the Greek goes back to actually gird. Some of you ladies, girdle, right? You know, the old girdle. It's a support. It's to come up under. In fact, that's what I explained to my niece. I said, hey, don't you want to support Anthony, your husband? Do you want to encourage him, build him up? Yeah, of course, Uncle Chuck. I said, that's what submit means. It comes from that, that, that Greek word, the very, but a, a girder. We like a girder on a bridge when we go over it. It's the same thing here. It's being coming up underneath the support. Anyways, no, sorry, I got off on that message. That's another message for another time. There's a lot of those in here. Full of mercy. Being full of mercy. Good fruit. Again, we could look at the fruits of the Spirit, right? Things that are supposed to be part of the believer, things that we produce as believers. Again, James is putting it right out there. These are the things that should be evident in your life. I will, just as a side note, I don't think we do a very good job of being fruit inspectors. So if you come to me and say, hey, I'm a fruit inspector. I'm not sure if this person um, is saved or not. I'm going to kind of probably be a little tough on you. because I don't, We're looking at outward things. The fruit comes from within. It's a heart condition. All right? So you kind of get a, you'll hear that message at some point. But again, good fruit, though, there should be some evidence of that. Again, if you spend time with people, enough time, you'll see these things. They, they get flushed out. The way you handle circumstances as you go through the seasons, you'll see fruit as a believer. You should see fruit as a believer. And that's all part of being wise. That's part of the wisdom that God gives us when this stuff take place. Impartial and sincere, right? Who wouldn't want to be around that person? Look at those characteristics. I would love to be around that person. I mean, submissive, we're not going to fight. They're peace-loving. They're considerate. They're impartial. They're a fair person. They're sincere when they say that they, they say they're going to do something or they're sincere in their relationship with you. Who wouldn't want that, right? How many wives here wouldn't want their husband to be that way, right? How many husbands wouldn't want your wife to be that way, right? Of course. Don't ask PJ living up to this, but she would want this. She would want me to be this way. I need to work on that. But there's fruit that comes from that, peace. In fact, I love how he puts that right here, right after that. He goes through this whole list. Here's where, what is really wise. And then he says, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. If you have these things and you are practicing good wisdom, you are going to be looked to as a peacemaker. People are going to come to you and say, hey, I've got a problem. How can I work through this? I've watched you work through this. And you handled yourself well. That's like high praise. That's, that's evidence of the fruit in your life. Right? 
Again, I've, I've done lots of counseling. That's just one of the things that happens when you're a pastor. You get people that come to you for counseling, whether it's marriage counseling or I don't do a lot of parenting counseling because I'm still trying to figure that out even now um, with adult children. I wrestled with that this week. I actually got to see all three of my kids and they're all in different phases and you know, learning when to speak and when not to. I'm, again, I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, for the most part, we were pretty peaceful, but there were times. Spend six and a half hours in the car with two of your adult children and yeah, you got to work on that a little bit. And then I spent another three and a half with my mother-in-law, and that was another whole issue. So, no. I love my mother-in-law. If this is recorded, Dave, you can leave that in. I love my mother-in-law. She's a, a believer, and, and we had a great time. But it's different traveling with those groups. But making peace, right? Being a peacemaker. Sometimes it's going to involve you jumping into a situation and having to work through issues with others. And you're going to need some wisdom in that. And as much counseling as I've done, and I'll confess this right now, again, in case someone comes to me for counseling, but I don't have all the answers. Even in something as much as I think probably my lane is marriage counseling, I don't have all the answers. If anyone doesn't believe that, check with PJ. She'll tell you because she, she knows I struggle in some areas sometimes. And usually it's me. In fact, if you saw my post this week, right, I, even, I had to put it out on Facebook. Yes, PJ was right again. I actually posted that this week. We were just having some fun in the car, and um, she told me to go one way, and I said, no, no, it's just down this way, and nope, she was right again. So um, I should listen to her more often. But being peaceful, that's the strive, right? And the Beatitudes, Jesus himself, blessed are the peacemakers. It doesn't mean there will always be peace around you, but you yourself can be at peace. Again, that comes from wisdom. It comes from being connected with God. Like I said, I don't like this chapter break, so we're going to jump into chapter 4 a little bit here. Like I said, I would do away with that because it really was written all in one session, and it kind of goes together because he kind of ups the ante a little bit here in verse 1. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Why are you fighting? Like I said, I, I spent six and a half hours with Jared and Rachel in the back seat. Believe it or not, even in their 20s, they still have arguments back there. It's, it's amazing to me that they haven't figured it out. They live in different states, and they were only for a few hours. But I was taken back to a time when we've traveled with them before. But what causes these? What, what is at the root of them? What causes fights? Again, James is saying in the church, he says, don't these quarrels. Then he answers the question, in case you give the wrong answer, he answers it. He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Getting back to that selfishness, right? I want my way, and I don't care what I got to do to get it. It's all about me. It's a wrong focus. This causes fights. I want my way. And I want it when I want it, and I want it now. That's usually the way that goes. Verse 2. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Right? Does this back and forth, this conversation with himself, and it exemplifies the problem. He's showing you the example, but then he gives us the answer, right? You don't have because you do not ask God. 
Remember back to chapter one, one of the things, right? One of the things that we, we have the benefit of believers of doing is we can ask God for wisdom. God, I don't have fill in the blank. You know what? Because I haven't asked him for it. Or maybe I, I've asked him, but I haven't liked the answer he's given me. You ever have that happen? You ask God for something? You know, asking for the twins to win the World Series may not be this year. It just may not be. God may not answer that, Ralph. I know you've been praying that. <laughs> no, he's not. No. <laughs> Make light of sports. But it is sometimes an area, right? Because guess what? Joe wants the Indians to win, right? Sorry. I gave up on the Red Sox. Just so you know, I've already conceded. No. But we ask sometimes with the wrong motives, right? Because we want our team to win. Or Again, that's a, a shallow example, but again, it, it can cause problems. We're not seeking God's wisdom. And because, to be honest, sometimes we ask for things that are not good for us. We ask for things that if God were to give it to us, it's going to cause us greater harm. Or it's not going to be the right timing. It's not going to be what we want, really, in the end. And so he's, be careful, but he says, ask for wisdom in that. That it'll be given to you in the right time, or that God won't give it to you because, you know what, he knows what's best for you. Sometimes he he has something even better for us. Quite often we sell out for just best or good, and God's got something even better in mind for us. So we need to ask God. We need to have that relationship that we are t- constantly talking with God. What is it you want me to, to have in this? I need help. I don't know. I'm coming to you humbly with, God, I just don't know what to do. And I need your help. That's what he's looking for. Again, he does this with a, well, you ask and you receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you have or what you get on your pleasures, right? I had a, a dear brother of mine, this is back a couple of churches ago, and he says, Pastor Charlie, uh, he's confessing, he says, Pastor Charlie, I, I play the lottery, but I, I promise you, if God lets me win the lottery, I'm going to give to the church, you know, we're, I'm going to give it all to the church, and, and I said, you know what, God's not looking for your money, he's not looking, he, he, that's not what he wants, he's already got it. He could give it to you tomorrow if he wanted to, but he's, it's going to cause you harm. And this person struggled with finances, and many people do. But I said, you'd spend it on something else. You'd spend it on things that would take you away from God. He was struggling with his relationship with God at that point, but he was focusing on money. But when God gives us things, now money, you can say, all right, that's kind of a foolish example, but what are some of the other things that God gives us that we waste. That's why I'm going to end this this morning. But God gives us something that is even more valuable than money. What about our time? How do you spend your time? Are you wise in how you spend your time? We're all given 24 hours, same minutes, same, right? You say, well, I, you know, I work and I have kids and I, right, but we still have the same amount of time. But what do you do with it? What do you do with that time? Are we being wise with our time? Are we being wise with our talents? God gives us gifts. God's given us abilities. He's given us strengths. What are we doing with those? Are we wise with those? Or, as it says here in Scriptures, are we spending them on our pleasures? 
are selfish ambitions, things that are taking us away from God. So, leaving you with a question. Are you wise? Are you wise in every area of your life? Are you wise with the things that God's given you? And why not? Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come together this morning, Lord, Lord, we do ask for wisdom. Lord, we don't always know what you want. We don't always know what you want for our lives. We don't know what you want for the life of our church family here. And we need you. And so, Lord, as we ask for wisdom, Lord, Lord, may you help us to see maybe those areas that we're not being good stewards of our time or our finances or whatever the situation may be, our relationship. Lord, we want to be peacemakers and help us to do that, Lord. Help us to, to love on each other, to do the things that you've written and the things that you've commanded us to do, that we may continually grow to be more and more like you each and every day. Lord, we just thank you. I thank you for my church family and our time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.